not giving a shit is the same thing as being part of the problem. Yeah. So, um, and, and this is where I, I, I struggle with, with how I feel in, in a lot of these areas, because while I think, you know, the developers walking, walking out on this is sent a clear message. They, they're also failing to maybe take action in, in somewhere where they might have a little bit of power to do so. Right. They're, they're not continuing that conversation. They're not providing a rebuttal. They're not trying to change um, leadership's mind and, 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 Hey, look, this is, this is where you're likely wrong in the matter, or let me try and change your mind. Instead, they're just going to walk out because of the statement. And I think that's where, where it kind of fails. Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. and welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm John. I'm Linda. I'm Seth. I'm Chris. And um, <clears throat> on this show, we're going to be talking a little bit um, about a range of things, um, mostly um, impacts of um, the COVID-19 stuff, as well as um, a number of things that are going on uh, in, uh, culturally right now, uh, especially with um, as we approach the election. And um, so just a lot of different things to kind of go over. I think <clears throat> we should start with some of the um, large scale cons that um, have announced that they're not going to be happening this year due to uh, the coronavirus impacts. Um, I know um, TeslaCon, which happens every November, had been planning and trying to do the con as normal uh, this year. But uh, in light of this giant flare-up that we've seen, especially along the southern states now, um, they've figured out that this probably isn't going to work in November. There's not really a, a good way of holding a con and do it safely. So TeslaCon's postponed, and um, they're going oh. to try a, to do it again in November. Of, of 2021. Yeah. I'm sad about that because one of my friends, uh, Adam Whitlash, or Whitlash, was uh, going to be the author guest of honor at mm -hmm. on this year. Right. Well, he may get to be guest of honor next year if it works out next for him because it sounds like they're just going to not the completely same redo the con, but just move everything back a year. So Hopefully. this year's theme was um, for the world. For the worlds, and so yeah. that'll be the theme in 2021, which is kind of. And cool. Adam uh, wrote a book on War of the uh, War of the Worlds, and uh, has done a lot of work along with that kind of theme. Hmm. I was actually hoping to have him on this very well, not this episode, but. Yeah. A future uh, episode. A future episode leading up to TeslaCon. So hopefully we'll still be able to do that. Cool. And then, well, John, I think you were saying there was another con that that's announced they're not 
going to have their convention either this year. Oh, PlanetCon, Planet Comic Con is not happening. Um, they're postponing. They, they already postponed once, but now they're postponing a full year. Um, and that is sad, but these bigger cons have a bit of a cushion, but this is you mean literally financially. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. Um, literally, this is going to kill a lot of cons. They'll never recover from this. And that, that makes me sad. Well, the other thing too is, is not just the cons themselves, but think of all the vendors that rely mm -hmm. on a main source of their income being <laughs> oh, yeah. sales yeah. of things, whether it's, you know, um, stuff that they customized <coughs> or whether they're reselling other products. Um, I mean, let's face it, the, the convention um, for sci-fi stuff, convention circuit is just dead this year. Because, and, and I think rightfully so, because I don't know how you can do any of that stuff safely in the current environment. Um, you know, um, Eric Larson, who runs TeslaCon, had been talking about <clears throat> trying to do it, you know, socially distant, um, you know, instead of having just a single panel with people crowded in, they'd have a limit on the number of people that could go to a panel and that they would have um, each panel would be done twice to try to get as many people in, but the chairs in there would be socially distant, but everybody would have to be wearing a mask. And, you know, <clears throat> part of the reason that a lot of people go to these cons is to be able to go into costume and get photographs. And who wants yeah. to get, you know, all dressed up and make a special costume and then have to wear a COVID-19 mask over it? I, I would have actually enjoyed looking back at 2020 and seeing that. <laughs> you know, it, 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 going back, because it, it's 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 about 2020. That that's well, what true. this year has been. True, that's that's a good point. Uh, that that would provide a certain uh, window into what we're all going through, wouldn't it? Yeah, cosplay, yeah. cosplay creativity. It's like challenge accepted. It's like I'll yeah. make a mask mm -hmm. for the cosplay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh. sorry, Linda, go ahead. Oh, but remember, Matt uh, is an artist. That God, one of our friends is an artist, a makeup artist, and he tends to put on the entire uh, makeup of an automaton and that wouldn't work for him oh, yeah. at all. He wouldn't be able to wear a mask. Yeah. Do you, well, do you have a picture of that? Because that's actually quite fantastic what, what he does, but I know what you mean. Uh, mm -hmm. He can't wear a mask with that. It would ruin the makeup, but what Matt does is absolutely. Uh, I, Unless, I know. you know, the, the other thought maybe he, what he could do is, <clears throat> paint the mask like his face so that the mask looked like an extension of his automaton persona. Maybe well, I guess no, there's, like, I guess if you want to do it, there's a way like kind of Chris was saying that that makeup work that, that Matt does is got to take a long time. Oh yeah. It takes him I, an hour. Uh, I imagine he doesn't want to play with, with a mask. It's mm -hmm. like, you got a picture of that. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there he is. Yeah. So what we need then is a plague con. Plague where, con. I like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, masks are mandatory, and all costuming is around that. Yeah, I, so, I think that I think it's just adapting to to twenty twenty yeah. and change the themes a little bit. It's yeah. going to be a little bit more work for some, and and uh, the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, I, I think people would actually enjoy that. I, I feel too. like right now. So. I am looking at the committee for PlagueCon 2021. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so what uh, TeslaCon what should do is there, there's a good, a really good steam, 
steampunk series by uh, Sherry Priest. Uh, ah, You're going to throw out the Plague Doctor stuff? or No, yeah. it's... Uh, so... Uh, Sherry Priest wrote a series of books about uh, Civil War era, kind of Civil War era uh, America, and kind of it went a steampunky direction with some weird super science. Yeah, there's and, a plague. Uh, <laughs> the first book, Bone Shaker, was about uh, how a zombie plague starts in, uh, I think, Seattle. Somebody. Because somebody digs too deep in the earth and releases a releases a gas that basically turns people into zombies, yeah. and so everyone who's in this zombie infected city has to wear masks. Hmm. Huh. So like there, there's Teslacon. Maybe <laughs> you got your steampunk. You got your masks. You got some zombies. Right. Well. I'm I'm ready to take up the challenge now. All I need is a con that's going to stay open. I don't think they will, and no. I don't think they should. Because, like I was saying earlier, uh, there there won't be. I mean, there's still three cons that are scheduled in Omaha for this year. Really? Like, yeah. Um, Kaiju Con, Kintsugi Con, and Nebcon, Nebraska Con, and it's like um, every one of those is basically just a death trap. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to uh, NebCon. No, no, no not even I with a I mask. I don't even think Constellations is safe, even though that's that's a very a much smaller con. There's still too much, you know. Well, they they were in April and they canceled, or they yeah, they're postponing till next year. So. If if Constellations is canceling, I think NebCon should already be starting to make oh, motions yeah. that they're going to do that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, until we get a vaccine, I guess. It's like whenever that is. Well, until we get a vaccine and everyone freaking takes it. Yeah, well, no. If we have the vaccine, they don't. it's their right not to take it, but it's also their right to die horribly. I mean, it's okay. Yeah, except for all the people that they might infect who can't take the vaccine. Well, and here's the question. We already have seen... Well, we've got anti-vaxxers now. Oh, go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. We've already seen in, in past years that there's a large segment of the population that doesn't get the annual flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and so here we are coming into um, fastly approaching fall with the return of the flu season. And if we have people that aren't getting the flu vaccine, um, that's going to have a great impact on hospitalizations because mm -hmm. you've got the normal um, hospitalization for flu, which happens every year, which is a big strain on the system. But now you add COVID on top of that, and you're looking at, you know, um, fall being a, a complete disaster. And then again, <clears throat> when you do get a vaccine for coronavirus, if you don't have everybody taking it, um, like we see with the flu virus, mm -hmm. what impact is that going to have going forward into 2021? I mean, that, that's kind of the whole reason we've yeah. got the shutdowns and the right. and mask wearing and whatnot is because if COVID was just another flu or cold thing and it didn't actually send people to the hospital, we wouldn't worry. Right. 
like mm -hmm. the whole thing is overloading our uh, health infrastructure. Yep. And when the ICU beds run out, that's when our death rate skyrockets. Mm -hmm. Like that's the whole reason we were trying to flatten the curve is to like draw out, draw it out long enough so that uh, we wouldn't overwhelm hospitals and caregiving institutions right. and caregivers. <clears throat> now, as we know? record this, this show, um, what we've seen is a dramatic spike in the number of confirmed cases of people with COVID. But currently, we are still seeing a downward trend in the number of deaths. And um, I was kind of curious about that. So I did a little bit of reading on that. And they said that um, part of the reason for that, that downward trend is the fact that we have um, some new treatments that seem to be <laughs> effective, like the remdesivir, right? Um, that they're giving patients that's helping uh, more and more people recover. The other thing is that <clears throat> we've learned um, to protect the elderly a little better. So we saw um, in New York, they had issues where, you know, elderly patients that were contracted with COVID, um, uh, they initially sent them to nursing homes instead of to clear, clear up space in hospitals, which turned out to be uh, a fatal mistake, yeah, right? Disastrous, yep. Yeah, so we've learned not to do stuff like that. Um, also, elderly people um, are tending in greater numbers to stay away from events, so they're not putting themselves at risk. So <clears throat> we're seeing that, that that trend is heading downward, but as more and more people get it, oh, uh, and uh, the other thing is that they said that from the time you contract COVID to the time that you die, assuming if you're going to die, can be anywhere from three to five weeks. So <clears throat> we've got a, a pretty long lead time there from the time at which the trend line mm -hmm. starts going up for infections before we start seeing the trend line for deaths start to go up. Yep. But that but that's going to probably happen and probably within maybe the next week or so, because I think we're you know, we we started oh, on this trend around mm -hmm. Memorial Day, right, where people mm -hmm. were getting together yeah. in great numbers. So we should start seeing that line start to go up again. Um, and I think that's going to be um, sort of a wake-up call to a lot of people, because right now the president is touting that declining deaths number as evidence that he's got this virus under control. Well, and, and that's that's a symptom of of a lot of people. I, namely to blame, you know, leadership, but a lot of people are looking at the, the right here, right now, and they don't understand the data in terms of leading or, or lagging indicators or, you know, not, not putting in all the factors to understand, um, you know, time is a variable here. Mm -hmm. So just because you look at it today, as you mentioned, it's on a decline. We've absolutely gotten smarter. We've absolutely learned uh, more than we did at the beginning of the year. We, we have some medications that can help. Uh, some of those medications may save lives. Some of them may extend lives. Um, and, and it's going to be a combination of between. But to your point, you know, if it's if we're looking anywhere between a couple, two, three weeks to, to several weeks uh, before those deaths start to spike, you know, you have to kind of wait it out and see. Um, now, what, I, what we don't know is how bad it will be right. based off of what we've learned. But we, <clears throat> we, it's an expectation that's reasonably sound based off of what we've seen before, mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's it's disappointing, uh, 
but uh, you know, I think people people also need to. I think, unfortunately, it's a pro and a con. A lot, a lot of the fear around coronavirus has kind of faded a little bit. And I think that's where you get a lot of people, especially, you know, in Florida, they're just going to run around on the beaches all day and, and, and get sick. What's the big deal? Um, I think the fear has faded. I think there's confidence that, that we'll figure it out. But at mm-hmm. the same time, um, if you give a damn about others, you know, you'll do more of your part to help prevent it because there's still some people that should be fearful, um, you know, we, we look at the elderly and they've changed their habits. I think that's going to have an impact on the death right. toll as well. Right. Uh, but there's younger people with complications that are still dying. You know, whether that's that's asthma, that's diabetics, um, things right. like that. There's there's, a, there's an age group I think it's often ignored and they don't talk about it enough uh, yeah. to let people know, you know, hey, people between the ages of, of 30 and 50 are dying just as, just as much. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not talked about as much, but mm-hmm. um, if we could drive home that, I hate to use the word fear, but, but concern the reality of it, the actual data, then I think it would change the mindset. Yeah. The reality. Yeah. Because there's, there's people in all age groups that are immune compromised for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's not just the elderly, uh, the elderly probably in greater numbers, but still in all segments, all age groups. So Mm -hmm. here's a number that really people aren't paying attention to 80% of all Omaha area hospital beds are taken mm. right now. And it's like, this is not, we're not even peaking. It's, yep. like, it's like 80%. And Omaha, actually one of my sociology professors talked about how Omaha through <clears throat> uh, reasons of like uh, some kind of uh, business uh, transactions or something has, has actually far more hospital beds than it needs. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, radically. For a city this size, we have a lot more uh, hospital bed space than we should. We have two teaching hospitals. That has a lot to do with it. That will have a lot to do with it. But mm-hmm. it's like, if, if Omaha has filled up its hospitals, what is going on in the rest of the country? It's like, right. they're full. Yeah. And it's, but we're not, are we getting that? Are, are people, getting that message no and that's and that's where that's where you know again from a leadership perspective they're going to focus on the death numbers today mm-hmm. are low right and they're not they're not bringing the, the full big picture and you can't you, you can't over analyze this right you, you can't yeah. um you can't just take a tidbit of data oh something is serious during a pandemic and and use that data to, to spin a positive positive picture you know i i know i know they don't want to cause fear or whatever but you need to present uh, as you mentioned, John, the reality of it, you know, the reality is here's your capacity of the hospitals. The reality is deaths we will not know until X amount of days out. We do know cases have gone up. We can expect deaths to have gone up. That's what happened before. Um, you know, we, we know that we have some medicines that are going to help. Uh, we react to some things faster. We're getting smarter. Some people's habits have changed. We know what's going to cause a problem. There's a lot of things that we know. And we know what works, we know what doesn't work. And as long as we stick to that, I think we can, we can improve things. Um, even working around a shutdown, because we know a lot of places don't like to shut down. Nebraska didn't never really shut down, you know? So we just have to be smarter everywhere else that we can be. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I never saw that. Um, yep. can, can you send that to me, Linda? A link, sure. <clears throat> yeah, because that's that right there, you're seeing. Yep, that's uh, Douglas County. Seeing, you're seeing racism right there. Yeah, so 
So what we're looking at right now for anyone who's listening is the uh, GIS uh, Douglas County uh, <laughs> COVID-19 dashboard. Hey, Linda, did you see my text message? In the yeah, and I, it's not open, so I'm not sure where that's coming from. You got I mean, a tab you don't open get, right in the window. You don't I'm get hotspots that are centered like that. You know, well, Omaha is a, a weird uh, city in that it is stratified in extreme polarity. It's literally uh, one of the most racially divided cities in the United States. It's like you have North Omaha, you have South Omaha, and you have West Omaha, and you have a predominant racial groups in each, and it's all mm -hmm. economically based. But you're right there. That's that's some Douglas County health data that's saying. Yeah, and it we're looking at the map right now, and the it shows the different zip codes, and the zip codes <laughs> that it's showing as bright and dark red are the North Omaha and the South Omaha areas where mm -hmm. correct a lot of the black community lives. Yes. Yep. Has black been. and Hispanic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there has been a racial divide in terms of it's African American communities have been hit much harder by this. Yeah, we've seen that like, in the news. Yeah. And that's it's, I think, it's interesting to see it in data in your own city. Yeah. Right there. Yep. But I, I think like if we're gonna make it through this, we need to listen to our experts a whole lot more. Yes. Because they're the ones who actually know what they're talking about. They've studied these things. They have histories in the past. They know how they spread, how stuff like this spreads. Mm -hmm. And they've developed models for it. And, like, Dr. Fauci knows what he's talking about. He's one of the people we should be listening to. The CDC and the WHO, they're the voices we need to be listening to. And if they say, be concerned, we should be concerned and take precautions. No matter well, what, certain. I think, I think this map here um, that we're looking at of Douglas County is sort of a good lead into um, one of the other um, social things that's going on right now is the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, if you look at this map and you see where all the, <clears throat> the highest rates are, like we just said, it's North and South Omaha. And Chris, maybe you want to weigh in on this, but it seems to me that a lot of that is probably due to the fact that people of color are more likely to have to go out and work uh, in public areas during this time. And so they are at greater risk of exposure to catching the virus. Look at yeah, that it's, occupancy rate right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Damn. Well, I mean, Sorry. that's been one of the things that's also fed into the protests that have been going on. The Black Lives Matter protest is this is a <laughs> this is a pandemic that is hitting the uh, the, the uh, people of color uh, their communities much harder. I mean, I mean, it, uh, it is it's, it's plants, for example. It's it's one of several factors between uh, the, the the different plants, meatpacking, manufacturing, mm -hmm. um, a lot of those jobs um, that America relies on to, to keep mm -hmm. this nation going every day. Uh, they're predominantly held uh, by minorities in these communities. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are the people who have to go to work and mingle with anywhere between you know a few hundred to several thousand people. Um, meatpacking plants uh, not taking it seriously. Um, obviously, we've seen what what the outcomes are that. Um, so these are, this map shows some pretty interesting things and it correlates with, um, something interesting here. I'll try and link it. Um, there's, there's a, 
um, a crime map. There's also like a, uh, a housing um, a housing map and a bunch of the statistical data. And what you'll find is that the same area that COVID's been impacting, the same area is also hit by by uh, urban development issues, by crime mm-hmm. issues, by mm-hmm. um, you know where where housing has needed to be a little bit more affordable than it's been because there's a lot of uh, poor people living there. They can't afford the um, all the recent tax hikes that we've had uh, in Nebraska particularly, but um, it, it correlates here. It, the, the, the map will always look the same, uh, whether it's a pandemic, crime, you know, housing issues, all of it. And uh, that's, that's where a lot of the, I think the, the outrage comes from, where a lot of the frustration comes from. Uh, it's, it's, when people are looking at, you know, Black Lives Matters today, um, you know, whether that's, that's George Floyd or, or whatever the um, catalyst is that's driving it, um, what they need to understand is, is you're not looking through the proper lens if you're going to associate it to that one event. It's, it's a systematic issue that's been going on for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot of factors driving it. And this chart, I think, uh, here kind of does a good job of showing those trouble areas. And those are where you're going to see the most protests. Those are where you're going to see the most issues. And I challenge anyone to find locations elsewhere uh, where it doesn't seem to reflect that, where where those communities appear to be different than, than what you normally see other issues in. Yeah. Right. In terms of the pandemic, uh, like these are communities that like one of the reasons it's hitting them harder is that as you said, Chris, they they have essential jobs, but those jobs don't pay as well, and they also don't uh, they don't come with as good a health benefits. Which they don't, and they a, don't have the same kind of access others do. Yeah, yeah right. And, which in a pandemic is what you need. You need yep. access to health care. If you and, look at that map, that Douglas County map, you're also going to see it's kind of a health desert. There's not a lot of health services there. No, there's not. Literally, yes. just no. There's nowhere. Even if yep. they can afford it, there's nowhere to go. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. And like, uh, you were also talking about crime, and what you notice if you look at the data is that as poverty rises, crime goes up, and as poverty, uh, or as you lower the poverty rate, the crime rate also goes down. Uh, but these are communities that have been purposefully kept in poverty. Like you said, it's systemic. Mm-hmm. I think a large part of that is, is ignored. When we talk about Black Lives Matters, you know, when we're trying to solve a lot of this, it's a, it's a battle that's going to need to be fought at both ends, from the leadership down and from the people up. The people up, their only option right now is is protesting. You know, whether, whether you like it or not, they've been silenced to a degree where they've been limited on whether it's local voting policies that prevent them from getting to the booths and all the way up to, you know, how do I get more pay for my job that's fair? It's, it's a whole broad range of stuff. This is a uh, tests by zip. I was, I was seeing if, uh, and it is, it's pretty heavy now out in West Omaha, the number mm-hmm. of tests that have been done. And it's, mm. it's lighter definitely in the other areas. Yeah, yeah, a lighter set of testing at a heavier results of coronavirus. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. well, as we know from the president, if we didn't test, we wouldn't have any cases. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you've been thinking. Actually, yeah. this, this, this map kind of disproves that because Linda just pointed out these tests are lighter, and we also the last map showed us that corona is impacting those areas more. Yep. So, but yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's a mighty fine present we've got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real mighty galaxy, r- real galaxy brain that guy. Yeah, <laughs> galaxy <laughs> brain. I don't think we can survive four more years. I really don't. Well, yeah, and I saw. Um, I didn't watch it, but I saw the news coverage of the. Um, speech that he gave at Mount Rushmore with all the fireworks and then of course the subsequent even, one he did on the mall. I couldn't I couldn't do it. You're stronger than me. I could I just I watched the news coverage. Try. I didn't watch the present I didn't watch the uh the speech but you know <clears throat> it's it's just it's more the same with this guy. It's it's the discounting of the Black Lives Matter movement, the calling uh, of the people that are <clears throat> engaged in these protests Marxists and um Liberals I prefer and, the term conflict theorist, but yeah, I'll accept Marxist. I can live with that. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, uh, he just, he's, he's going out of his way to double down on dividing the country rather than trying to unite the country and see positive change. I mean, what kind of a person <clears throat> do you have to be to be out there supporting the retention of Confederate monuments and refusing to allow um, the military to rename uh, military bases in the South that were named after Confederate generals. You know he doesn't care. It's like this is just resonating through his base. So honestly, the question is, what kind of people are they Mm -hmm. that that they respond to this? This this is the Pavlovian bell that that you ring to get these people to do what you want? This Mm -hmm. is like nuts. Well, and, and what does it say about his values that all he cares about are uh, the the racist, um, homophobic values mm-hmm. of his right. base? Well, they give him the attention he wants. Mm-hmm. So here we have a little interesting discussions or like political discussions starting up on a sci-fi show. And I know that we'll have listeners who either come into this program new or have been listening yeah. for a while and go, oh man, why are they getting political? Uh, this, we, we come here for sci-fi and nerd stuff, but I sci-fi mean- Sci-fi's always been political. Yeah, sci- science fiction is, and fantasy and genre fiction in itself are inherently political and have always addressed these issues of racism and homophobia and uh, like that's a large part of the stories, like a mm-hmm. large, a large part of why I am not a conservative Trump supporter now is genre fiction. Mm-hmm. Even though the sad puppies might have you think otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> the sad puppies are sad and they don't deserve the puppy name. No. They're puppies so are good, inherently good, and they are puppies not. Puppies are good. Right. <laughs> puppies are good. Yes. Yeah, I mean... Call them the sad zombies. That's what they are from now on. They are the sad zombies. It's like, well, I mean, George Lucas has always said that sci-fi is political. Star Wars is political. Yeah, I, I just yeah. listening to one of uh, an interview that he was giving where uh, the original trilogy was an- definitely anti-authoritarian around mm-hmm. the Vietnam I, War. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it comes straight out. I mean, Star Trek. Has anyone ever seen the original series Star Trek, uh, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield? Yeah. Which mm-hmm. where, the, where the two characters were, <clears throat> one was black uh, on the right, right. side, and yeah. the other one was black on the left side, and then white on the right side. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, a, more, a more critical and damning uh, 
uh, example of racism you can't find. Right. Uh, but because it's science fiction, George, uh, um, Roddenberry got to got to do that. It's like bring it out in terms of alien societies rather than our own, which is how all of this gets presented in terms of you know a lens that's perhaps not offensive. Um, I'm not I'm not necessarily against offending racists. It's just if you offend them, they tend to not listen. Well, the other thing is, like <clears throat> yeah, the other thing is. To your point, John, is that back in the time of the original Star Trek series, you had to get past the network censors. <clears throat> and they would not have allowed something that was openly advocating for equality like that and showing the ridiculousness of racism. Um, yeah, there's, so Linda put Perfect. up a picture there. Um, yep. Of um, let that be your last battlefield. <clears throat> and you'll notice that they're, they throughout the whole show the first part of the show you're seeing these two characters interact and you're and they they obviously hate one another and um our <clears throat> um, the um, guy on the left um god his name's on the tip of my tongue um i know i'm 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 on the left uh commissioner <laughs> on the left his name is commissioner, commissioner beal i can't remember the yeah, actor's name <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, um, so he's trying to arrest the other guy and take him back for, for crimes. And, you know, in, in light of today of the Black Lives Movement, you can almost see that he would be a protester advocating for change. And the system's just trying to arrest him and throw him into jail well, he, rather, than, rather than hear his complaints and maybe take any action. And, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but in that time, having a message like that, that would have been just actually having white and black characters yeah. having that same argument would not have been allowed on network TV. Well, and the, guy so that, by, the guy that Commissioner Beale was going after actually was a leader of a movement uh, of an uprising, mm -hmm. which it's like a lot of people like to assume that the status quo that's uh, evident in any place or society is the way things are supposed to be. Right. But they either are not, or maybe they were at one point. They had a function, but they no longer do. Um, so it's hard to change. I mean, it's like, uh, I'm glad Roddenberry was there to point that out. It's like they could sneak that one by the censors. He had a real problem getting the first African-American kiss, too. Right. Uh, censors. So, yeah, the story about that, I, I like the story of how that happened, too, is that the censors would not approve the scene and they had X amount of time to film the episode. And so William Shatner was kind of like, okay, so let's try it without the kiss a number of ways. And so every take that they'd try without the kiss, he would do something to screw up the scene and make it unusable <laughs> until they were out of time and they did the kiss for the very last scene and that's the one they had to take. They didn't have any more time to refilm it. Now I like William Shatner, but let's not let's not you know uh, make any bones about the fact that he wanted to be known for having the first African American. Oh yeah, sure. yeah. yeah I'm yeah, sure it wasn't wanted. any sort of political statement. It was for his own fame. That he he, he can that. make that about like he d sure he made it about himself, but it's still at least it uh, happened. It a happened. lot of a lot of TV stations in the South uh, refused, refused to carry it. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's like I would I would like to think that we've gotten better, but we really haven't, have we? 
All I can find is a tiny one, but there it is. Yep. <laughs> I saw that episode, and it's a weird episode, too. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like Plato's, Plato's stepchildren, stepchildren is, is yeah. yeah, you don't think of that as where you want to put your political message, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, there it is. It's like, it's like, they're also very, they're also very mean to the dwarf in the episode, but mm-hmm. yes. yep. yeah. that, that so, bit him in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Did that bite them in the ass? Pretty sure. Yeah. Cause the dwarf got power at the end when they injected him with the serum. Nice. Like his blood as powerful as the other guys. I'm gonna have to go back and watch some of these now. Yeah. Well, and then uh, you know, uh, another one, another Star Trek episode um, strikes my mind, and it was um, uh, similarly um, talking about um, prejudice, but it was more along the lines of LGBT type stuff, and that was a, a Next Generation episode with Will Riker, where they met mm. um, an androgynous species, I guess. Where oh, they, right. They had no sex, and um, there was a character in there that um, felt uh, in their marrow that they were a female character and they wanted to be a female character and that was so abhorrent to this race that they were ta- they, they ended up i think at the end taking her for some sort of re yeah that one there where they were taking called her the to outcast re outcast or something yeah race called the jenai right J- yeah yep mm-hmm. yep however riker was good enough for me <laughs> that's true of Riker for I mean I, I know I'm making a Riker joke but yeah that was handling transgender issues yeah yeah. so yeah so sci-fi has a long history of doing this kind of stuff so um, which is cool because I think that's how you start changing hearts and minds yes yeah, you you bring them in with the the fantasy and the rocket ships and the ray guns and all of that kind of <laughs> whiz bang type of stuff or even whether it's superheroes or anything else as long as you can get them interested in that you bring them in and then within that you carefully wrap a story that's designed to teach people something about you know equality hopefully and and getting along with other people Mm -hmm. and and making the world a better place for everybody not just for you i mean more recently uh, uh the black panther one of the biggest Marvel mm-hmm. movies ever. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like, remarkably so. You you listen to to the young to kids and their parents, uh, black kids and their parents talking about how it made them feel, and mm-hmm. you realize like they there 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 are a, a segment of the population who's just kind of been ignored mm-hmm. almost. Oh yeah, in fandom completely yeah. and <laughs> and so yeah black panther 2 that's coming out in 2022 uh let's see is it gonna be the same actor or are they gonna replace him with her sister in the movie is i this- have not heard yet but i mean that's not untold in the comics is uh shuri getting uh yeah the mantle of the black panther and that would be that would be interesting. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and just like stuff like uh, the director, like uh, Marvel handed like one of their biggest, that that was 
uh, a semi-risk Marvel took of handing the director of the, making the director of the movie a relatively young uh, a black creator. Uh, Ryan, yeah, I just had it up. Ryan Coogler, that's right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, not that he was unaccomplished. He had done uh, Creed and Creed mm. Two before that, <laughs> but... Well, it, still, like yeah. that—that's uh, Disney's not a risk-taking corporation. So, and it well, I, I just I, for them to, because to that I'm just gonna give you Ryan Johnson. There we go. I I had to say it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know you had to say it, but not everyone agrees with you. So <laughs> I, I well, I'm sad that there's still denial in the world. Then, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm sad that you still don't recognize you're wrong. So, oh, 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 oh. the gloves are off. But I, but I love you, Seth. I know, and I love you despite your wrongness. <laughs> oh, wasn't that so easy? Yes. Yeah, see, you know, now I, you're such a big guy, man. It must be hard to be so cool. It's like I want to be just like you when I grow up. I do. But. Like speaking of uh, Ryan Johnson, my name is Sean right now. Speaking of Ryan Johnson and the Last uh, Jedi, uh, I mean John Boyega has been uh, really active in the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and he, was, he has been. It, right on that note, I mean, this is where some of these people sit today, where they have a platform that they can stand on and have a loud voice. And one of his one of his tweets, I think, in the articles that would link was, you know, hey, I don't know if I'm going to have a job after this. You know, yeah. it, right? But I was I was really encouraged to see so many people standing up and yes. going, "Don't worry, man, we've got yep. your back." Yep. Mm-hmm. I wonder what what racism looks like in the UK, where Boyega's from. It's like, like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, I don't live in the UK, but I, I do see articles from time to time, um, you know, that come out that, that speak towards that, you know, they may be a little bit more hush-hush about it, but it's still definitely it's still um, present there. It's still there. And I think what what the protesters are getting sick of there is the ignoring ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Here, here, it's here. It's up front and center. It's in everyone's face nowadays, mm-hmm. especially with with current leadership. But there, it just seems to we, be very. Yeah, we, we, we don't can talk thank about Trump it. for that. Yeah, no. no we that's can exactly. thank our militarized police for that. Well, and a system of no accountability. Well, yeah, that predated Trump. Yeah, but he's kind of brought. All, he's kind of a. He has given voice to a segment of the population that we told to shut up during civil rights and has, now feels like they can talk again. They've always been there, but now they feel like they can do whatever they want. They feel so like is it? Is it? Is it a bad thing then? I mean, it. it to your point at the very very beginning of this, there there are those that are kind of silent that we that we never see that that hold these racist views. Maybe yeah. So not. point was yeah point was made that you know we can blame Trump for all the voices that 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 now have a platform out there and all these bigots that are coming out. Uh, and I was just making um, a little bit of an aside that that it, there's some good to come of it because now we know who they are, where they are, and we can let everybody know that the reality is they're still out there. We knew it, but if you were curious at how bad it was, now you know. 
you know, that, that there's still work to do. We can't be silent about it and just not do anything. There's still action that needs to be taken. There's and, still racism occurring every day and all that. And I think it's also good that we are like shining a light on it for that the people who weren't like hidden racist, but were maybe on the fence and just like thought we're done with racism. We, mm-hmm. we had the yep. 1960s, we solved it. And like this is hopefully shining a light and said, no, no, this isn't done. This isn't solved. We have work left to do. Yeah. Just it's because... almost as. <clears throat> go go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, it's almost as if, you know, we, we go back, um, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, and we had a big argument then, and we said, look, you do you, we agree to disagree, and, you know, go back to your basements and just be quiet. All right. We're, we're all, you know, you have to make an effort to get along with everybody publicly. And, and now it's like, no, that's not good enough. And, and it's not, and we still have a long, long ways to go and, and a lot to do uh, as we've seen in the past four years, you know, a lot of stuff is coming to a head needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. What are you guys um forecast for the election in November? What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think Trump's going to lose in a landslide. I, I would agree with that, but this last election kind of made you nervous. Doesn't give me a lot of confidence. Oh, right. It's Hillary, a certainty. Hillary dropped the ball hard. Um, she kind of just gave up. She kind of assumed she was going to win. And it's like his polling is terrible because he keeps replaying the same message of hate, yet I don't think there's as many of those people as, as he thinks there is. It's like, so his numbers keep trending downward. And he keeps, it's like, he's killing people because of his response to the coronavirus. It's mm-hmm. like, his biggest thing was the economy, and now the economy shot. And it's like, uh, indirectly, because of him, I mean, literally, you could say, oh, the coronavirus did it. But his response to coronavirus was such that we now, there's a, there's places that are now sheltering in place again, mm-hmm. which means, yeah. And yep. all of these people are going to lose their jobs. He's, he's, he, he's, his, the way he handled the Black Lives Matter protests was awful. He, he barricaded himself into the, into the damn White House. He, he put up like concrete road partitions around the White uh, House. Bunker boy. He, Mm-hmm. And hid in the, he hid in the basement. <laughs> right. He was afraid of all the people. And it's like, what kind of message is that? I mean, it's just, uh, Biden's way, way ahead. And it's like, oh, and guess Kanye jumped into the race yesterday. That's <laughs> yeah, always, he, he, always a help. It's, well, it's always no, hard to that, tell with Kanye because he's a little bit of a nut job. But he, is, it, he, he actually he didn't he come out with a pro-slavery message a couple of years ago. Uh, like, yeah, he he he's and it's always late at night. Like I don't know if he he's getting into the drink or something. But you, you just wait nine ten o'clock Central Time. You'll see something posted from him. And, and last night was I'm going to run for you know the president of the United States. And what? Yeah, yeah what? no, that happened. This but, you know, he's a little bit late to the race, you know, and <laughs> yeah. in a lot of states, you can't add yourself to the ballot anymore. So, right. But I mean, you know. it's cool because literally the votes he would take would be the ones of Trump's. I, Kanye's I'm not right sure. Kanye's yeah. that right wing guy. Yeah, but. <laughs> All right, if, what? 
a I couple of those first slavery stunt sessions. Yeah. Well, all right, um, fine. There's going to be a lot of Kardashian fans and a lot of Kanye fans, and that's great. But once he gets out on the road and starts, you know, it's like, you know, I'm I'm a pro-slavery guy. I love Trump. And it's like, he's going to see his numbers plummet. It's like, but, but would those numbers of, uh, um, let's say Biden didn't have that lead and you start taking those numbers from Trump and, and those numbers would have gone to Biden, not to get too off the, the beaten path here on, on political, but then you don't get votes swinging to where they should be going. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah, I don't see I, the people who are voting for Biden, a lot of them, a lot of them. Are, are voting for Biden to not vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. But is Kanye really option. an alternative? No, he's, he's, he's not. But, I mean, people are weird, right? It, Plus, what, what, look at our community today. In, what's in Kanye's you know, closet right now? Because you know when they, you run for president, people start looking deep. Oh, wow. That shouldn't be hard. Yeah, yeah I, I don't like, We'll, we'll I don't know see. what you pull up. This closet kind of, has no doors. We'll see if he's actually running here. Right. Or if that he just said, I'm us. running for president, and that's all we ever hear about. It. Like, at this point, that's, uh, I think that's a, non, a non-starter. Non-starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the I would agree thing, with you. The only thing I can think of is that just get out and vote and not don't vote for Trump. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to make any calls because 2020 has been whew, a year, true. and I don't want to think about how it could go worse. So I'm not going to jinx anything. Just go out and vote. As much as I hate, I want to modify what you said because as much as I hate the two-party system, it happens to be what we have right now. Mm-hmm. It's like. I think we should mirror other countries, have like five or six parties, and then yeah. people get – because like right now, everyone's got to lump themselves under Democrat or Republican, which is why you see like 17, 18, 19 candidates rolling across the stage. Many of them aren't Republicans or, or Democrats. Like Rand Paul's a libertarian, but he can't win as a libertarian. Um, Ted Cruz is evangelical, but he can't – there is no evangelical party. Bernie Sanders is a Democratic Socialist, which is different than Democrat. But there is no Democratic Socialist Party. If we had these parties, people could vote how they feel. But now we've got these, this two-party system where everyone gets jammed in. And it's like, so it's and, like, unfortunately, that's what we have. And, and it's if like, wishes we, were cars, everyone would drive. You said just get out and vote and don't vote for, uh, don't don't vote vote for Trump. Well, now you kind of got to vote for, for Biden. Yeah. It's, it's like, this time, yes. But there's a lot of people, a lot of Bernie bros out there saying I have to have to write in Bernie. It's like sorry, no. Follow no, it really... and vote. Look where that got us last time. Vote how you want. <laughs> Everyone out there, vote so, how you want. But understand right. what's gonna happen if you don't, you know, do and I, I don't wanna I really don't wanna be the spokesman for the two party system, but but I I don't think we're all gonna live another four years of trump so we're, we're not gonna spawn a new party in between now and the yeah election and the election yeah let's let's just let's get through this and then let's do something then so 
so to, to to wind back a little bit yes absolutely you know why 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 this why this all came up and and it started with the corporations and and we were talking about uh, virtue signaling and everything like that and and I want to drive home the conversation that we're having now about the two party system uh, I, I feel like a lot of these corporations that's a struggle that they're dealing with right if I pick a side here uh, who do I alienate is is it worth losing those those customers and 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 I would argue that that yes, you don't want the type of customers that 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 support um, something that, that doesn't stand for equality and 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 getting rid of racism and uh, you know finding that level playing field where we can all you know get along and and enjoy something for for what it is um, with all the without all the bigotry behind it. And I think that's where a lot of those companies are struggling. Uh, you know, we were talking about John Boyega before and, 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 you know, Star Wars has all these companies are tweeting, right? They're saying, Hey, we stand behind you. You have other directors tweeting, Hey, Hollywood's got your back. You know, don't, don't worry about protesting and, and being out in front. Um, but I, I wanted to, to bring up something. Some days, I, this is what I feel like um, is that it, to go to uh, an old movie reference, uh, Office Space, right? Sitting down having a conversation with the Bobs, right? The you, got, you got the Bobs being, you know, America on one end, and, and you've got um, Black Lives Matter, you've got minorities, you've got a whole whole different broad spectrum of groups on the other side. And America's sitting there, and they're trying to to wager with you, right? Hey, what can I offer you stock options? Can I, can I throw you money? Can I, what can I do here to... To, like, to make you? this maybe a little bit better. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. and the reality is, if, if we all remember the movie, that the, the bombs were, were still doing some things that nobody really liked. They're laying people off, you know? They're screwing people over. They're giving people promotions that probably don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And, and they're still going to do that, right? This is a conversation about what can I slide you under the table here to to, to appease you? And and what I feel like some companies do, uh, even, even in the, the sci-fi community, the gaming community, is they're throwing money out there, right? They're throwing statements out there. But but what I want to see, what what the lack of what I see is, if you're going to sit there and say I'm going to give two hundred thousand dollars to um, uh, any organization out there, pick one at random uh, to support Black Lives Matters or Black directors or Black writers um, or even Hispanic ones um, of any of any of any background, and but tell me what that money is going to do. What does that accomplish? Mm-hmm. Who's, whose pocket does that money fall into? What, what action items are you going to take? How are you going to change their day-to-day? What, what is your five-year plan on that? What do you well, hope to see? That's why I like what D&D is doing about uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. They're donating money, but they've also pledged to change the in-game experience in terms of races so that people mm-hmm. feel more represented. And they, they're calling out themselves, you know, because of the, of the basic depictions of the orcs and the drow mm-hmm. as, as, as characters that they have set up as... Less uh, intelligent, always evil, the evil in, races. Yeah, in their words, uh, have been characterized as monstrous and evil using descriptions painfully reminiscent of real world discrimination. And they are, so they're looking inside the game to actually make mm-hmm. it less racist. So is that what you mean? Like real? Yeah, life it's like stuff? real, real life actionable changes. What, what are you going to do to help change people's minds? Money, money mm-hmm. can solve a lot of problems around the world. That's a given. Okay, money, money talks, money moves things, money makes things happen. But, but only if when that money is then received, 
you know, if, if you're taking additional action to, to hold whoever's receiving that money accountable or to hold yourself accountable, I'm going to donate to this cause. They have their own thing going on with me. Uh, to John's point, D&D is going to sit there and they're going to change the fundamental of how some of their game works, right? They're going to change the ideals going forward. Um, a lot of these companies that are donating, I, I don't see that a lot. I don't see the follow-up. I don't see the statement that says internally we're going to continue having this dialogue to try and figure that out. Um, and so, you know, in, in the community where I, I challenge people, where you're seeing money being donated, that's good and all, but don't, don't, don't clap and then just move on about your day. You know, don't say, you know, that's, that's a sticking point that I think doesn't help, right, is, is when people just feel like, oh, it's going to hit my pocketbook this year because of all the protests and everything. I better donate and make this go away. And then in five years, we're back to where we started. Right. You know, what, what did you change to make sure that the outcome is different? If, if you're not doing any of that, then, then what's the point of, to me, donating the money? Yes, it does help and everything, but if you're not fundamentally changing the culture of your business, the culture of how you uh, hire directors of color, how you, how you hire writers of colors and your, your selection processes. Now I, I, I hate it just as much as anyone. If you're picking someone to, to let's say lead a, lead a company uh, just because of the color of the skin, I, I, I'm absolutely behind finding the right qualified people to, to do it or the people who have the right product or the right book, uh, the right topics and right. Well, I'm all for that. Um, I don't like to see that as the other knee-jerk reaction, right? Hey, how dare you hire this this person? He's he's white, but he's more than qualified, and he's the best person for the job. And you had this, you know, other person who's black who may not have been as qualified, but he was the only other candidate that you had. I think it's great that, that you look at him, but if he's not the right person, he's not the right person. So I think it's it's equally important that we don't kick people out of um, a selection well, process just because of the lack of the color of skin. Chris, let me ask you this, though. Mm-hmm. How do you think that <clears throat> that thought translates into um, Biden's vice presidential pick? Because it seems yeah. to me, I think it's important that he picks somebody of color. He's already said he's going to pick a woman. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that he could choose from. Do you think that it's important for him to make a statement and pick someone of color and a woman, even though there may be other candidates out there that might be more qualified? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. So I, I saw even recently, a couple of weeks ago, where they were interviewing him, asking him that, and he didn't want to, he didn't want to, want to say outright what he was going to do and, and why. But I think regardless of what the decision is, what that decision is. I'm not going to tell anyone what that should be. Mm-hmm. I, again, like I said, my stance is it should be the right person for the, for the job. But if you, if you had an opportunity to do that, you have to back that person. If you pick a person, a, a woman and you pick a person of color, um, it's unfortunate that we'd have to do this today, but the reality is you need to go out there and you need to reinforce that. Mm-hmm. You need to, to bolster that person up and talk about why they're qualified, why they're going to make a difference. And the, 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 the topic can't be because this person is a woman and because this person is of color. You have sure. to speak to this person's credits. You have to show and prove that this mm-hmm. person has a background that, that, that qualifies them. And if you don't do that, and if you just pick them and you say, hey, here's my VP, and she's a woman, and, and she's of color, and mm-hmm. huzzah, you know, it's, no, sure. that's, that's not going to help. Mm-hmm. Well, we're also running into the Biden. Biden's going to run into the problem of the historical inequality uh, because uh, African-Americans have had less opportunity. Women have had less opportunity. There's going to be a much smaller pool. 
of people from to choose yes. from and to find people in that pool that don't have fatal things in their closet mm-hmm. is going to be very difficult. It's like right. you can, if you pull out just, uh, I have a black woman, but you know, you find out she's been like, you know, running a, a like somehow you didn't vet her right. And she's has like a, a dog a cocaine at one point or something yeah. you like get, well, and that's, and that's where, and, that, and that's my point. You want it, you, you want to pick the right qualified people. And the reality that minorities have to face today is that we've been a little bit behind. There are, there are a lot of mm-hmm. us that, that, mm-hmm. that, that work hard to get where we're at, that, that we're, we're intelligent, we're smart. We, we've accomplished a lot, but our pool is very small in terms of the resources. And that's what we need to fix. That's a systematic issue. We can't just start dragging people up there just to put them up there as your, I, I don't want minorities to become the token in the business, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have a, a, a black CEO, but maybe he's not taken seriously uh, by his peers or anything like that because he was never qualified. He only got that position because he was black. And that, that's where I think it works against uh, minorities. And that's where you have to be, be careful of when you're treading that line. Um, I think a lot of minorities get robbed out of success that are absolutely qualified. And, and if they're qualified, I think they absolutely deserve a right to do so, so long as their competition, you know, isn't better. Pick the right person for their job, regardless of uh, age, sex, um, uh, orientation, all of it. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult. But the reality that, again, minorities have to face is that our pool is slim right now. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not a lot of uh, women or uh, women of color that, that are out there to, to seek a, a vice presidency right. or that they want it. You may have some out there that are absolutely qualified and they want nothing to do with it, right? They've seen yeah. what politics can do to people. Mm-hmm. They've seen how right. it can, you know, the country's spotlight is on you and you don't want to be that person. It's a lot of pressure. So Emphas- on, on top of, go ahead. Oh, emphasizing that uh, it's like, it's not ability. It's historic mm-hmm. systemic racism that have kept African-Americans and women from these positions of power mm-hmm. so that they're just not there and it's like yep. since women are actually over 50 percent of the population that's kind of like a glaring you know uh rebuke of uh how we've treated women historically <laughs> but yeah <laughs> i i don't know if it, who and who do you think he's you know, gonna pick chris i i don't know and and i've as soon as I saw that, you know, it came down to, Hey, look, I'm going to pick a woman. Is it going to be a woman of color? I've, I've largely ignored it. And, and I want to be, I want to be surprised and I want to do my own history. I don't, I don't have, again, I don't have a favorite person because um, I feel like the pool is is slim and, and me personally, I may never be satisfied with whatever the selection is. I don't have a favorite. I don't have one that, that I'd like him to pick. Um, I just hope that whatever is picked, I, what I want to see is that person be backed 100% and and that's Biden true. and his staff come out there and they explain why and they make it clear to the people why that decision was made. I think he will do that. I really honestly do. I think, And I think he'll have her back 100%. I, I, I think this is an opportunity for the Democratic Party to like not only like choose a good uh a good uh, VP candidate, but also to like groom their next presidential candidate. And and speaking of virtue signaling, the democratic party has relied on black votes forever yet has a history of not delivering on the promises. So it's like, it's also a chance for the democratic party to actually live up to what it says it is in terms of uh, (laughs) African-Americans. Agreed. 
mm-hmm. again, it, it goes back to um, the actions that you take. Is what's going to define you know who you are as a party, who you are as a leader. Um, these these sci-fi communities, who they are, what the, how they represent themselves, is by the actions that they take. I, I don't I don't buy into the donations all the time unless I see some follow-up action. Yeah. How so. do you think the 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 optics of the um, the uh, Republican and the Democratic uh, nomination conventions are going to play out this year? Because it seems to me they're going to be completely opposite right so trump's going to have these huge rallies Mm -hmm. no social distancing no masks um and and it sounds like biden and them are going to do everything with social distancing as much as possible masks uh things are going to be done a lot of things are going to be done virtually there's going to be no major campaign uh convention event how do you think that's going to play into the the election this year you think that's going to have an impact where people are going to see you know trump's big star-spangled extravaganza convention and that's going to affect a lot of voters uh versus biden's more subdued i I think Oh, go ahead, Seth. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think as uh, the COVID-19 situation becomes more serious, and it is going to get more serious as we get further on into the year, and we're seeing more of the more of the consequences of Trump's lack of action and chosen, like his whole "we just have to live with it" thing. As we see more people die, I th- I'm hoping that we're smart enough to see that the people who are acting responsibly are the ones who should be in charge. Like that is, that's what I want to believe. That's my hope. Well, I mean, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Seth, but the cat butt is just right there. <laughs> Re- really, really helps emphasize my statement, doesn't it? I know, it was just like wag the tail. Um, well, at least it was just the tail and not the butt directly. In the- <laughs> that was awesome. What were you gonna well, say, I- John? I feel that every one of these conventions, people leave, they get sick, their family gets sick, mm-hmm. people die. And it's like, I think that that actually changes people's minds. It's like, <coughs> not only that, but everyone they know knows that they got sick. These people got sick at a Trump rally. It's like, I mean, he couldn't even fill a 19,000 person stadium in Tulsa. It's like, uh, either people were afraid to go because of coronavirus, or they really just his day is done. But, but it's like. But look at look at um, Mount Rushmore. It was yeah. Packed. I know. Yeah, because they they probably made sure it was packed, and I'm sure over the next couple of days you're gonna find <laughs> out. They didn't that, let the yeah. K-pop fans get to him again. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that they there might have been actual money busing people in. It's like because it's yeah Mount Rushmore is. Yeah, it's it's not the easiest. It's it's not hard to get to. It's just kind of way out there. Yeah, like, it is. So, yeah. So he must. I I don't think that they did that all by themselves. But, um, it's like I don't even know why they're having a Republican nomination. It's like it's done. Save the money. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's yeah. not his way. Oh, I know no, he he's got to have the adulation. But it's yes. like he's got he's he's gonna be hurting people. And every one of these things, people are realizing that he's putting people in danger. And it's like, mm-hmm. Republicans are an interesting thing. It's like, they're not homogenous. It's like, you have fiscal Republicans, you have ideological Republicans, and you have um, 
political uh, Republicans. And they're not the same thing. People who want to balance the budget are Republican, even though historically for the last like 20 years, that's not how Republicans have done things. But it's like, um, if you're, if you want to balance the budget, if you want to have a conservative view um, of, of, of fiscal matters, these ideological matters are going to polarize you and drive you away. And maybe not enough in past elections, but this time the hate is strong in the Republicans and it's going to push people away. If you just have a historical desire to have a small central government, which is what like libertarians really like, all this hate is going to push them away too. Mm-hmm. It's like little bit by little bit, the, Trump is literally chiseling away at his own base until he's just got this like core, white hot core of anger. And that's what he's got. I mean, with the emphasis on white. On the white. Yes. <laughs> that, I did not mean to make that analogy, but it is apt, I would say. Uh, uh, I, I, like, I won't shy away from it. I yeah. <laughs> I, I want to kind of go back towards uh, something that Chris was saying earlier in that he wants to see actions taken, the like actual changes made. And I feel like one of the best things that we in the science fiction community can do is to do a lot more promoting of black voices and stories. Mm -hmm. And like what I was saying about Black Panther earlier and just like how important that was to a lot of people and uh jordan peele like he's gaining a lot of traction and power and i feel like we need to do more to encourage those like uh i i think uh like as far as allyship goes serving as a might uh a booster more than kind of Mm -hmm. boosting voices much more than just talking about it and making those other voices much more prominent I like the the fact that the um, the latest um, Star Trek, uh, well, not the latest because I guess Picard's the latest, but um, the Star Trek Discovery uh, has <laughs> Martin Green as the lead actor in the show, and um, I think it's great. Um, the The first season was um, a little bit different, um, uh, maybe not my favorite, but definitely. Um, Season two. Let's just say it's had a rocky road, and yeah. I see I see potential in season three. Mm-hmm. I really do. I'm I'm looking for that. But uh, no, it is having her as as the lead, as literally the mm-hmm. focus of the show, mm-hmm. is, is new. Yeah, I mean you have a lot of people who are actors, but literally she is like she's the Kirk, she's the Picard, right? She's the Riker. She's right there. She is <laughs> the one, and that is cool. But it's like, I liked where Seth was going, but how do you feel about how black cosplayers are treated in the community? I mean, we covered this last week a little bit, or mm-hmm. not last week, but in our last show. And that, I mean, black cosplayers face Ridic- issues Ridic- that other people just don't have to do. Like, you want, you want to be a character, like, and like, you face the people going, no, that pla- that character wasn't black. You can't do that. Yeah, but that's 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 the reality of it. You're you're limited by what people perceive someone should look like. Yeah, and I mean, mm-hmm. a comic suffers from the kind of the same issue as everyone else is that there are just fewer black superheroes to pull from. 
Exactly. There's been historically nothing to do. There's no there's no no one to draw from in the past. Uh, you know, well, there's not no one, but I mean, it shouldn't matter. It is such a, if I your mean, favorite is if your favorite uh, character is uh, not. Uh, is uh, See, you're digging, you're digging. I'm seeing it. You're telling me. So <laughs> I, I forgot who is Carol Danvers. What is her superhero name? I've just it's blank in my brain. Uh, Mar Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. Like if you want to, if Captain Marvel's your favorite, you want to, you want to. You're a black cosplayer. You should be able to do Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It shouldn't even be an issue. And, and I think that's where people miss the mark on on the cosplaying. Is is it's something. Uh, you know, people themselves identify with the character and, and they want to build out a costume and make something awesome of, of how they view themselves as that symbol, if you will. And uh, um, instead, people are like, hey, you know, the closer you can look one-to-one -one down to the color of your skin, the better. And that's not how uh, cosplay should be judged in that manner at all. Same thing with the body shaming stuff that people do. Indeed. No. But it's like, oh, I got, I've gotten into some seriously animated arguments if you want to call them that with people, I want to see a black Superman. Yeah, I do. I would like to see black Superman. But, but all these people are telling me he's not, he's historically white. I said, why? It's like, he's Kryptonian. It's like, I, oh, I don't even it. understand, but it's yeah. like, they're like, well, let's make it Val Zod. It's like, let's make it Superman. It's like, right. why not? It's like, first of all, Superman shouldn't look like people to begin with. Cause it's the environment that he evolved under is totally different. But the fact that he's white is totally, you know, arbitrary. It's like, yeah. you make him black. Here, let's make him black. It's like, I, I, and you know what? Michael B. Jordan wants to play that. And I'd love to see him play that. I think he'd be very <laughs> that would good. be good. That's a that good place. But it's like, I, I, every time I talk to someone who's white about this, they're like, no, we can't do that. It's like, why? It's like, it's a, it's a science fiction character. Well, oh, that, that that's the that's the systematic issue that we have is, is yeah. it's just been that way for so long and we're saying well historically speaking I'm like historically speaking we have kind of a shit history mm -hmm. we do i mean it's, the, it's the a latest, racist bigoted one yep right the latest fantastic four movie made uh made johnny storm black and like that wasn't the reason that the movie sucked there's a cosplayer doing a Superman. Okay, yeah. Like, it, it, you can do, you can do that. Before. They're fictional characters whose right. casts and like it's not like you can't you you can rewrite the past. Comics mm -hmm. does it all the time. All the time. Oh, this yep. one, that guy is awesome. That oh, is pretty awesome. Nice. Well done. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So they're they're definitely out there. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's like, it's it's it's. Oh, that one's good. That's a good that? Naruto cosplay. Oh, is that Naruto? Yeah, from Naruto. It is not Naruto. I know. I, know. It's, it's, I didn't know that was from Naruto. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some good ones on here. But it's like it's it's. I, Look at that. Wow. I have a funny feeling. How would they write his backstory? Superman's backstory. The exact, same. the exact same. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, why would it need yeah. to? You don't have to change the backstory at all. Can you can you avoid the all right, he'd be growing up in rural Kansas as a black man. Can you ignore that? No. Can, can you leave he'd that have out some, of the story? He'd can have like some of that would change. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So you're saying exactly the same, except some has to change. I'm but no, that. I 
I think Seth was talking about his or him coming from, from Krypton. Krypton, yeah. Krypton, yes, but once he gets here, because his his origin. So, and that's that's where that's where it comes down to the directors and whether or not they whether or not they want to portray um, the reality of what a colored Superman would have dealt with growing up in Kansas as a boy, um, whether that's bullying or, you know, racial slurs and incidents he would have come across and things like that, that would have changed. It wouldn't have been the, you know, perfect life growing up or anything like that. And that's, that's where the challenge is on the, the studios out there to decide how they want to portray that story. Is this, is this a Superman and now grows up dealing with racial issues? And, and as he grows older is, is he jaded because of that? Is what's his view on that? Are all humans actually good? Are all humans worth actually saving? How, how does he feel about not being able to get into college? How does he feel about not having less uh, housing options? Well, how does he feel about lower income lifetime? I mean, yep. all well, these things I would think kind of have to at least over time make their way into the story of Black Superman. They would if they were to be realistic, or he yeah. could just you know have been adopted by a very rich, wealthy you know white family and grown <laughs> up like Batman and just been all hunky dory. You know, what if Mon Pac? That'd be the lazy writing. But yeah, that it, wouldn't it, be it a would story happen. I'd want to see. I'd want to see how how Black Superman would respond to instances of police brutality. How, how would Black Ooh. Superman respond to Batman's brutality? <laughs> <laughs> There, there's a, yeah. there's a Batman v Superman story right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, we're we're um, a little over time here, I think. Do we have anything else we want to touch on before time? we go? Or? What are you talking about? Hmm? <laughs> us going over time? What are you talking about? Never so happens. rare for us. So rare. We're so punctual. I've been listening to a number of podcasts lately, and they actually. They seem to go until they're done. It's hmm. like sometimes they actually go too. We'd hours. be still be talking at midnight. Yeah, we'd go for days. That's fair. We'd go for days. <laughs> Linda would Linda would leave the room in disgust, and we just like see her walking by the door every now and again with a sandwich <laughs> and a yeah, I'm gonna go eat. It's, it's all good. I like I I think the show is as organic and as long as it should be. What did we lose? Do you think in the? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute in the when yeah, we went Chris, down. Is, are there is there anything else you want to bring up um no like i said as we kind of go through i'll jump in and add tidbits on, on what my thoughts are and stuff like that but um no, nothing in particular i wanted to bring up cool well thank you for joining us chris i appreciate it always yeah. good to have you on the show it's always yeah. a pleasure to join yep it's always thank good you. to have you here yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well thanks everybody for tuning in for another episode of galactic driftwood um, check us out on our website where you can find links to this and all of our past episodes as well. Um, that's galacticdriftwood.space. And you'll also find links to where you can find us um, on the internet. Um, obviously, video on YouTube and um, all the different audio outlets as well. So you can stream us just pretty much on any of your favorite platforms. So um, thanks again. Go ahead, to no, Seth. Don't forget, we're also part of the Synergy Nation Network. At, That's correct. Uh, SYNNation.net. And uh, go check out some of our, uh, some of the other shows on the network, like Running Up the Tab or Thoughts and Shots. And Weekly Geekly and Go RPGs. 
yeah. or some of our sister podcasts out there. And um, you can also check out the supercast that we do, which is um, uh, a podcast of podcasts. So all the different podcast groups, uh, hosts get on and we just chat about whatever we're thinking about at, at the time. Um, so kind of fun. Yeah. We, we seem to have a lot of free time lately. I don't know why. <laughs> when, does that next, uh, when does that next supercast that we did a while back come out? It's already out. Is it out? Yep. Yeah, that's, an, that's another that's an after dark. That's an after dark. <laughs> so, so if you want more drunk Seth, that's where yes. you go. That's where you get it. Seth's had, <laughs> Seth's had a particularly the, fun uh, month. <laughs> are all of the, uh, the, uh, the supercasts going to be after dark? No. Oh, no. I don't, why? That seems to be the best <laughs> format for them. Well, maybe. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, thank you all, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well. <laughs>